Hi. Hello. <laughs> I hope you guys are well. I hope your day is going fine. My name is Cecilia and I'm the host of the host of this podcast. Uh and um <laughs> honestly I've lost track of what I was going to say just for a second. Yes, uh thank you for joining me again if you're listening to me uh, or you continuously come on here to listen to my podcast i'd like to say thank you um this is the book reading episode we are reading purple cow by seth Godin, and this is part three uh and i'm really excited i'm actually i really i really like where we stopped uh last week i'm uploading these episodes on sundays um though the last one i uploaded it on monday on sunday i was just tired and i was just like could not be bothered to upload it it was ready but i couldn't i just i just wanted a day off social media and so i was like you know what i'll just upload it on monday so yeah but my intention is to have the normal podcasts on thursdays where i just interview small business owners or just talking small business stuff and then the book reading episodes come in on I start uploading them on, what is this? The book reading episodes, I upload them on Sunday. Yes. I had even forgotten that I'm recording um, on IGTV too as I do this. So for a second, I was just looking outside at the window and then I've just realized like you need to be looking at the phone that's recording right in front of you. (laughs) So yeah, in case you don't follow me on Instagram, please do. Our page is at mbl that's mango banana lemon underscore podcast so mbl underscore podcast that's my page on instagram i'm also active on linkedin you can search my basic life podcast i wasn't sure how consistent i'll be with linkedin i've had the page for a while if i'm being honest i've had it from sometime last year but i wasn't sure if i'll be consistent with it or not and so that's why i've never shared it here but yeah you can follow me there if you're active on LinkedIn, just search my basic life podcast. You'll see a pink icon with some face or something. Yeah, that's my page. Um, yeah, so like I said, every episode that I'll be recording on the podcast, I'll do something that I learned in one of the podcasts, one of the YouTube channels I watch. And that is, if you can just take a second, I'll give you all a second. Go put some water in a cup, drink some water. It's important to stay hydrated. So... I have my water right here in front of me. Uh, look at this glass. Look this up. Look at this pretty upcycled glass by Lelesan. I know the guys listening to this on the podcast uh, without watching the IGTV might not be able to see. But this glass is by Lelesan Glass. They upcycle glasses and the flowers on it are hand painted by the owner of Lelesan Glass. Um, called Vanessa and what else is something else I wanted to say uh yes Lelesan means sparkle in Kalenjin so such a nice business business name <laughs> uh so yes let's drink a glass of water it's already three minutes to, I'm already three minutes in <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm Yeah, I'm now ready to begin. Let's start. <clears throat> so the topic today is case study. What should what should Ty do? So 
Tide is arguably the best laundry detergents in history. Every year, Procter & Gamble invests millions of dollars and pays a top-flight team of chemists to push the performance of Tide further and further. Is that the right thing to do? Tide succeeded early on because of a mixture of good TV ads, very good distribution, and a great product. As the TV industrial complex crumbled, though the ads mattered less and less, less and less, wait, as the TV industrial complex crumbled, crumbled though the ads mattered less and less. Now with the accession, now with the accession of Walmart, the distribution is more crucial than ever. One one chain of stores accounts for a third of Tide's sales. Without Walmart, Tide is dead. Okay, wow. Okay, so we don't have Tide here in Kenya. So, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so what should PNG do? Are they likely to come up with a true innovation, a remarkable breakthrough that even casual de detergent buyers notice? Or are the incremental improvements largely a carryover from a different time, a time when people actually cared about their laundry? Orthodox purple cow, orthodox purple cow thinking Orthodox purple cow thinking would have Procter & Gamble take the profits while they are still there, cut research spending, raise the price as much as is practical, and put the incremental profits into the creation of ever more radical and interesting new products. If the current R&D isn't likely to generate a noteworthy payoff, what's the point? R&D, R&D was return and what? What does if the current R and D isn't likely to generate and what is R and D? <laughs> Sorry, let me Google so that we are on the same page. R. How much return and something? R and D. Meaning. Uh oh, research and development. Oh, okay. So okay, so they he has the like I said there are important points within the book. So this is one of them. Uh, if a product's future is unlikely to be unremarkable, if you can't imagine a future in which people are once again fascinated by your product, it's time to realize that the game has changed. Instead of investing in a dying product, take profits and reinvest them in building something new. So that's the point. Uh, actually, what I've decided to do, if you go to my page, our page, the podcast page at mbl underscore podcast on Instagram, I'm sh these takeaway points I'll, I've Put them on an icon written purple cow by seth godin and I'll, as i go through the book i will be saving all the takeaway points there so even if we're done reading the book you can be able to go back there and refer um yeah so there's a graph here for the innovators early adopters early late majority and laggards if we look at the idea of the, uh, if we look at the idea division curve we see that the bulk of product sales come come after a product has been adopted by the consumers willing to take a chance on something new. Those early adopters create an environment where the early and late majority feel safe buying the new item. The sales that matter don't come until the left part of the curve is completely sold. The left, right, oh, okay. The, the left part of the curve has innovators and early adopters. The big insight here though, is that the vast majority of the curve ignores you every time People in the early and late majority listen to their experienced peers but are going to ignore you. It is so tempting to skip the left and go for the juicy center, but that doesn't work anymore. Okay, so the left side has innovators, early adopters. The center has early, 
the center has early and late majority and the end has the laggards um so he's saying that it's very important like you need the innovators and early adopters to want and trust your product so that the early and late majority and laggards can be able to be like oh yeah i know someone who's used this product so i can trust my peers or you know something like that regardless of industry uh okay so let me repeat that part um again um so the big insight here though is that the vast majority of the curve ignores you every time i mean ignores you every time people in the early and late majority listen to their experienced peers but are going to ignore you it is so tempting to skip the left and go for the gc center which is the early and late majority but that doesn't work anymore regardless of industry successful new products and services follow this pattern after they are introduced first they are purchased by the innovators these are the people in a given market who have who like having something who like having something fast they may not even need the product they just want it innovators are the folks who sit in the front row at a fashion show in paris go to the internet world and read edgy trade journals okay right next to the innovators on the most curve are the early adopters no they are not early adopters that they know they are not early adopters that would be just the opposite wouldn't it early adopters are the folks who can actually benefit from using a new product and who are eager to maintain their edge over the rest of the population by seeking out new products and services it might be a new investment device in bracket zero coupon bonds say or even a new tv show but in a meaningful market this audience is both sizable and willing to spend money Trailing after the early adopters are the trailing trailing after the early adopters are the early and late majority. These consumers don't necessarily yearn for a new product or service that can benefit them, but enough. But if enough of their peers try it and talk about it, these followers are likely to come along as well. It's essential to realize two things about this big and profitable group. First, these people are really good at ignoring you. They have problems that they find far more significant than the ones your product solves. They are just not willing to invest the time to listen to you. This is the early and late majority. <laughs> Second, they often don't listen to the innovators on the left part of the curve. The early and late majority want protocols and systems and safety that new products rarely offer. Countless products never manage to get far enough along the curve to reach these folks. And if they are going, and if they are not even going to listen to their friends, why should they listen to you? Okay, makes sense. Finally, the laggards complete the curve, getting around to buying a cassette deck when the rest of us have moved on to CDs. If anything, these people are the adapters. They don't use something new until it's old. That's when they they use, that's what they used. Wait, they don't use something new until it's so old that what they use used, used to use is obsolete, impractical, and or an even, or, or not even available longer. Where the question is, where do you fall in this category? I don't think I fall in the innovators or early adopters. Maybe early majority, but I also feel it depends with the thing. With I don't think you can just put yourself in whatever category. I think it depends with, in terms of maybe phones. Uh, it maybe depends with the industry. If it's phones, if it's like social media, were you like the first on TikTok or did you wait for everyone to talk about TikTok or are you one of those people who's like, ah, yeah, I'm still on Facebook. I don't know what Instagram is. 
who is TikTok? Who is she? <laughs> so yeah, where do you follow the curve? Uh, no one is going to early. No one is going to early adopt to your product. The vast majority of consumers are happy, stuck, sold on what they've got. They are not looking for a replacement, and they don't like adapting to anything new. You don't have the power to force them to. The only chance you have is to sell to people who like change, who like new stuff, who are actively looking for what it is you sell. Then you hope that the idea spreads, moving from the early adopters to the rest of the curve. After the early adopters embrace what you're selling, they're the ones who will sell it to the early majority, to the early majority, not you. They will sell it and they will sell it poorly. More talks at length about moving through the rest of the curve. I highly recommend this book. More talks, more talks at length about moving through the rest of the curve i highly recommend his book also more the person who created the curve has a book so seth godin is recommending that book um you must design a product that is remarkable enough to attract the early adopters but is flexible enough and attractive enough that those adopters will have an easy time spreading the idea to the rest of the curve digital cameras have been attractively priced for about five years at the beginning, only gadget heads and computer gigs bought them. Digital cameras were a little tricky to use and the quality wasn't great. Over time, the camera manufacturers obsessed about fixing both problems and were rewarded with dramatically increased sales. Digital cameras are well on their way to replacing film cameras. The shift was not caused by a great ad campaign from the camera companies. Instead, it is the direct result of early adopters successfully selling the cameras to their friends. Digital cameras spread because they offer convenience and price advantages over film cameras. Better still, these advantages are obvious, easy to talk about, easy to demonstrate, and just begging to be bought, brought up every time an early adopter sees a laggard pull out a film camera. Being remarkable in the right way helps you in two ways. First, it makes it far easier to attract the left side of the curve, Wait, being remarkable in the right way helps you in two ways. First, it makes it far easier to attract the left side of the curve, that's the laggards and the late adopters. Uh, and second, it makes it easier for these early adopters to persuasively sell the to sell their peers on the rest of the curve. All right, makes sense. So, like I say, I, I always do a short clip for IGTV, and so I'm going to end it here. So if you want to listen to the full episode, please continue with the podcast uh so this bar is for ending the igtv so bye <laughs> uh so let's continue um yeah okay that makes sense being remarkable in the right way helps you in two ways first it makes it far easier to attract the left side of the curve it makes it far easier to that is the early and late majority and laggards and second it makes it easier for those it makes it easier for these early adopters to persuasively sell their peers on the rest of the curve. All right, okay. Next topic, ideas that spread win. A brand or a new product offering is nothing more than an idea. Ideas that spread are more likely to succeed than those that don't. I call it, I call ideas that spread idea viruses. Sneezers are the key spreading agents of an idea virus. <laughs> This book was written before COVID, so you can imagine what sneezing is right now in 2021. <laughs> yeah. Sneezers are the key spreading agents of an idea virus. 
These are the experts who tell all their colleagues or friends or admirers about a new product or service on which they are perceived on which they are there on which they are a perceived authority. Sneezers are the ones who launch and maintain idea viruses. Idea viruses. Innovators or early adopters may be the first to buy your product. But if you but if they are not sneezers as well, they won't spread your idea. They are selfish in their use of a new idea or they don't have the credibility to spread it to others. Either way, they are dead and when it comes to spreading an idea. Every market has a few sneezers. They often they are often the early adopters, but not always, but not always. Finding and seducing these sneezers is the essential step in creating the idea virus, the idea virus. So how do you create an idea that spreads? Don't try to make a product for everybody because that is a product for nobody. The everybody products are all taken. The sneezers in the huge markets have too many choices and too satisfied for it to be likely that you will capture their interests. The way you break through uh, to the mainstream is to target a niche instead of a huge market. With a niche, you can segment off a chunk of the mainstream and create an idea virus so focused that it overwhelms that small slice of the market that really and truly will respond to what you sell. The early adopters in this market, the early adopters in this market niche are more eager to hear what you have to say. The sneezers in this market niche are more likely to talk about your product. All and and the best of all, and best of all, the market is small enough that a few sneezers can get you to the critical mass you need to create an idea virus. Then if you're good, you're then if you're good and you're lucky, that innovation will def diffuse after it dominates the original niche it will migrate to the masses i don't know why saying sneezers and idea virus in just that whole paragraph just made me feel all <laughs> uncomfortable <laughs> i think because now sneezing is such like a taboo thing okay is it taboo it's more like people are more like don't sneeze anyway so this is a takeaway point. This is what I'm about to read. It's not an accident that some products catch on and some don't. When an idea virus occurs, it's often because all the virus pieces work together. All the viral pieces work together. How smooth and easy is it to spread your idea? How often will people sneeze it to their friends? Oh my God. <laughs> How often will people sneeze it to their friends? How tightly knit is the group you're targeting? Do they talk much? Do they believe each other? How reputable are the people most likely to promote your idea? How persistent is it? Is it a fad that has to spread fast before it dies? Is it a fad that has to spread fast before it dies? Or will the idea have legs? And thus, you can invest in spreading it over time. Put all your new product developments through this analysis and you'll discover which ones are most likely to catch on. Those are the products and ideas worth launching. I actually like that. I like that. I like that a lot because even with my podcast right now, I think the thing is that I feel it's challenging. It's challenging because I want to increase the views and my, yes, I have my niche. My niche is small businesses in Nairobi. And also like I, I interview small businesses in Nairobi, but I also talk about my journey as a small business owner in Nairobi. Um, maybe I should go a bit niche because then if I do that, Maybe I'll be able to target the specific group. Um, I think this is what this part of the book has made me think about. Because I had an idea today morning, 
uh, because I'm in the printing and branding industry, I was thinking more of sharing the challenges that as a small business owner, which is a big topic, but now a small business owner in Nairobi, which I've reduced a bit, but now a small business owner in Nairobi in the printing and branding business, maybe that's now a specific niche that I can focus on. And I was thinking about doing content around that, uh, especially reels. The reason it's made me think like that is because I've been doing the reels a 14-day slash 30-day real challenge on Instagram. And yeah, reading this has really reaffirmed that. And I think it's something that I should actually think about. Like I should just do a niche and just focus on that. <laughs> so I'll try that and I'll get back to you on how that works. Uh, so on to start another, so another topic, the big, the big misunderstanding. The problem with the books I mentioned earlier, crossing the chasm and the tipping point and unleashing the idea virus is that many marketers got exactly many marketers got exactly the wrong idea marketers who read these books often conclude that these ideas are gimmicks that work every once in a while or that the ideas sound organic and organic and automatic and natural an idea becomes an idea virus it crosses the chasm it tips all this consumer seems seem to be busy doing your job, spreading your idea from one person to another so you can sit back and wait for the success to happen. At the same time, the poor schnocks at Procter & Gamble and Nike and Colgate Palmolive are spending $4, 4 billion a year on advertising. Guess what? Both groups are wrong. While idea viruses are occasionally the result of luck, consider the Macarena say, the Macarena say, or the petrol. The vast majority of products success stories are engineered from the first day to be successful. Okay. Marketing in a post-TV world is no longer about making a product attractive or interesting or pretty or funny after it's designed and built. It's about designing the thing to be virus-worthy in the first place. Products that are engineered to cross the chasm with built-in safety nets for wary consumers, they way, are, are way more like <laughs> built-in safety nets for wary consumers are way more likely to succeed than our products not engineered that way. Services that are worth talking about get talked about. The hard work and big money you spent the the hard work and big money you used to spend on frequent purchases of print and TV advertising now move to repeated engineering expenses and product failures. If anything, marketing is more time consuming and expensive than it used to be. You're just spending the money at, you're just spending the money earlier in the process and repeating the process more um, more often. This is worth highlighting. The purple cow is not a cheap shortcut. It is, however, the best, perhaps only strategy for growth. The purple cow isn't cheap, but it works. We need to understand that investing in the cow is even smarter than buying a Super Bowl ad. All right. Okay, cool. Whew. All right. <laughs> Next topic. Who's listening? I'm guilty of a little hyperbole. With all the hand ringing over the death of the TV industrial complex and the pre predictions of the demise of all mass media, it's easy to jump to the conclusion that ads don't work at all, that every consumer avoids and ignores all of them. Of course, this isn't true. Ads do work, not as well as they used to and perhaps not cost effectively, but they do attract attention and generate sales. 
Targeted ads are far more cost-effective, yet most advertising and marketing efforts are completely untargeted. There are hurricanes whipping through a marketplace horizontally, touching everyone in the same way, regardless of who they are and what they want. There's a huge amount of waste here, so much that it's easy to assert that advertising isn't working. Yes, sometimes this hurricane allows you to skip the painstaking work of removing, of moving from the left to the right. Sometimes the entire market needs something, knows they need it, and are willing to listen. The key word here is though. The, the, key, word, the, the key word here, though, is sometimes. Sometimes is pretty rare. So rare that it's wasteful. It's wasteful because the vast majority of ads reach people who aren't in the market for what's being sold or who aren't likely to tell their friends and peers about what they've learned. But a very different kind of ad works but a very different kind of ad works. Why? What is what is it about some ads and some products that makes them success, successful while others fail? Why? For example, do the little, little text-only ads on Google perform so well while the flashy full-on page annoying banners on Yahoo do so poorly? We have to start with another look at the power in the marketing equation. In the old days, marketers targeted consumers. Smart, smart ad folks worked hard to make sure their, their ad was appropriate for the target market and that the ad ran in the media that would reach that market. Implicit in the idea of targeting. The, implicit in the idea of targeting, though, is the cons, conceit that it was up to the marketers to decide who would pay attention and when. Today, of course, the opposite is true. It's the consumers who choose. They choose whether you are you they choose whether you are listened to or or to well, they choose they choose whether you are listened to or ignored. How do they decide? Are the are some consumers more likely than others to listen? What separates the listener the listeners from the others? The big secret of Google ads is that they are both con textually relevant and presented to this to the type of person who's likely to act on them you see a google ad just moments after you've typed in a search term for that very item compare this to allowed and to allowed and welcome interaction of a less focused consumer and the difference is clear at any given moment in any given market some people are all ears they want to hear from you they look through the yellow pages subscribe to the trade magazines and visit websites looking for more information some of these people will eventually buy some are just looking so here is the here comes the big idea it is useless to advertise to anyone except interested sneezers with influence you need to do this advertising when consumers are actually looking for help and in a place where they'll find you. Of course, advertising to one interested person is a good idea, but the real win occurs when the person who's listening is a sneezer likely to tell her friends and colleagues. Obviously, the chances you have to advertise to these select audiences are rare. The rest of the time, you need to be investing in the purple cow. Products, services, and techniques so useful, interesting, outrageous, and noteworthy that the market will want to listen to you, will want to listen to what you have to say. No, in fact, you must develop products and services and techniques that the market will actually seek you out. Damn. Seth <laughs> Gordon. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, so, which is so interesting because this was something I was talking to a friend of mine today about, because I was thinking about 
uh, promoting the podcast on Google Ads uh, to start because I've never done it and on LinkedIn. And yeah, it's not just about something that they mentioned, something that Seth Godin has mentioned. It's not just about me placing the ad. It's about me putting a targeted ad to a targeted consumer. And not just that, he's saying that I have to know that the ad that I'm, the person that I'm targeting, that that person is a sneezer, that they can be able to spread the word. Otherwise, it's wasteful. So it's so interesting that all this is something that I've been thinking about this week, and this is something that we're actually discussing in the book right now. So we are going to end here for now. And I hope that you've learned something and that you're taking notes as we go forward. I think... This book is very relevant, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really challenged my thought process. And also this ending here has really challenged me. So you must develop products, services, and techniques that will market, that the market will actually seek you out. So the question is, do your product, services, and techniques make your consumers seek you out or not? Mine? Let me say, I don't know. <laughs> For my podcast, I don't know. I don't know, really. Uh, because this is, I say the podcast because this is a thing I'm trying to grow right now. Um, anyway, um, see you guys in the next episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Remember to follow me on Instagram. My page is at mbl underscore podcast. Bye.